hardly contain it. Number one is that you are coming to Italy tomorrow. Well, technically, I guess today for you. I'm like hours away from leaving for the airport. I know. And so Ah. it's hard for me to contain my excitement. However, I am almost equally excited for this episode because I'm obsessed with gin and I'm so excited to talk about sobriety a little bit more. I feel like our last sobriety episode, which was with mom back in March of her sharing the story of our family. If you guys haven't heard that, you should go back to that episode. My mom talked about our family's sobriety story, my mom and my brother in recovery, and we had such an amazing response to that episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm so excited to talk about sobriety a little bit more and dive deeper in. I think that sober curiosity is really big right now. Like a lot of people are interested in yeah. trying out this sober lifestyle, not even if – I mean maybe it's not forever, but – you know, giving yourself a break and really evaluating what alcohol's role in your life is and how you use it and how it affects you. Um, I know that that's where I am right now. You know, when I get back from Italy, I'm planning on doing 30 days of sobriety, which I'm really excited about just to like reset. You know, I've seen the positive effects, um, of course, with mom, but then also my friend Anna Grace, who's been on the show before she's been sober for five months now and she's just super clear and things are just flowing really easily and smoothly for her. So I'm excited to just try it out and see see what happens. It's so crazy how people have these connotations of drinking in their heads. It's like if you go somewhere and you said, oh, I'm, I'm not drinking, people are like, what? Are you serious? Are you pregnant? Like why? 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 And it's like, Maybe because I don't want to. I like, like what you said about you don't have to go somewhere and be like, oh, guys, like I'm not doing meth tonight. Yeah. You know? I've decided I'm just not doing heroin for a month. Like, you know, but, it's so funny. It's becoming more and more popular as like yeah. conversations become, you know, more frequent and out in the open. And, you know, there's so many companies that are becoming super popular that make sober cocktails and sober and alcohol-free wines. And, you know, I think it's just becoming really, I hate to say trendy, but it is kind of trendy right now. Yeah, I've noticed a lot of like scrolling on TikTok and seeing people post about how they're doing like, you know, 80-20 or sober months at a time. And I think it's really cool. And especially having two family members in sobriety and then having that kind of becoming more of a trend these days. I went to LA in November and there was a full like non-alcoholic liquor store, just like full of (laughs) bottles. And it was packed. And it wasn't like it was packed with like a bunch of pregnant people. It was packed with like normal people who just like, I guess- weren't into drinking and it was really cool. So I'm excited to see that trend spread. I think it's trending because people are, you know, realizing that your body is with you forever. Like you need to take care of it. And I think that, you know, it's coming to light more and more the effects of alcohol and how it can have a negative effect on your body, mind, and soul. Um, Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm really excited to talk about this. It's something that is top of mind for me and I hope you guys really enjoy the conversation as much as we did. Yeah. Okay, so I'm so excited. I literally cannot believe I'm finally leaving for Italy. I know. We're kind of like zooming through this intro, one, because we had such a good interview with Jen and we didn't want to cut anything out of it, but also Allie has to head to the airport very soon and I'm so excited. I think probably for both of us, our excited thing is just that you're coming here and I just can't believe it. It's so crazy. Like even in Hawaii when people would come visit me and I was just thinking about this today when like seeing you like in Italy, it's like I look at them, like look at people who visit me and I'm like, are you real? Are you really here? It's so crazy. Like, even with my friends from Hawaii that were here, I was like, is this real? Well, I like being able to see your day-to-day. You know, like I like knowing where you lived in Hawaii. I like knowing the things that you like to do and the places you like to go. So I'm really, 
really pumped about seeing that in Florida. Yeah. yeah. So we have a full 10 days planned. We're going to do some awesome stuff. You guys can follow along on our Instagram stories. And I know we're going to be posting it all up. And yeah, that's definitely what we're probably both most excited about this week. Yeah. And just so you guys know, next week we are taking a little break. We're going to take a week off and just enjoy being together. So we will be back the following week. But in the meantime, go listen to some of our old episodes. We're at like 43 now. So there's 42 other great episodes. I know. It's crazy. And we've just had so many amazing guests and topics and we have so many awesome episodes coming up. So I'm really excited. Also, guys, if you're listening to this, don't forget to head over to whatever platform you listen to this on and drop us a review. It is the best way to support us. We absolutely love reading your reviews. It literally makes my day. Like the last mm-hmm. review I read literally brought tears to my eyes and it just means a lot yeah. to us. So don't forget to leave yeah, a read it. It was so sweet. Speaking of things that ways you can support us, we are launching a subscription very soon where you can listen to subscription-based episodes um, where Bird and I will be talking a little bit more about things that are a bit more personal or talking more in depth about some of the things that we cover in our episodes and our interviews with our guests. So look out for that. That's coming soon. Um, And yeah, thank you guys so much for the support. We've been blown away by how many of you listen every week and just like really benefit from the conversations that we're having. So thank you. Yeah. So do you want to run through our weeks really quick and then we can jump into this interview with Jen? Um, Yeah, sure. Um, Okay. So I just got back a couple days ago from my trip to London and Paris. That was definitely my high of, I guess it was kind of technically last week, but Um, It was such an amazing trip. We had such a good time. It was surreal to see all of that in real life. And I think London's like my favorite place I've been so far since being here. So that was really cool. Yeah. And then um, my low would probably be today, our roommate, Alex. She's been staying with us for about a month now. She's Blaine's best friend. Um, Had to leave today. And I was so sad because she's like just completed our house. And it's been so fun having the four of us here. However, I can't be too sad because you're coming you're about tomorrow. To have another one. Yeah, so miss Alex, but we're excited to welcome Allie into <laughs> our house. So, what about you? My highs this week. Oh, one of my highs this week was um, there's this outdoor movie series by my house in this big park, um, and they played Dirty Dancing this week. So I got to go Aww. with some good friends and catch up with them. I had an acai bowl, which made me think of you. Yum. And it was just a really fun, chill night. That was a high for me this week. And then a low, I think, was – so I'm trying to, like, manifest a couple of pretty major things right now. And one of the things that I was, like, so certain was going to work out didn't work out. And I feel like it's always a bummer. Like, even though you say, like, okay, if it's meant to be, it'll be. Like, if it's not this, like, close the door. And it's still so disappointing when the door shuts even though you ask for it to, like, you know, even Mm -hmm. though you say that. But then I think it's important to, like, give yourself a day to, you know, kind of sit with it and be disappointed, but then, you know, move on. And I had a couple of other things come through in the days after that. So that was a low. Oh, my B-reel just went off. Oh, we got B-reels, y'all. Mine didn't go off. Yeah, I'm on European time, so. Oh, okay. Wait, add me. Did you add me? No, you didn't even add me. Someone said that they that you added them. I had B-Real before you. I've had it for weeks. Oh, well, I didn't see you under my friends. Oh, well. Yeah. Did you add Perry? Yeah. 
Yeah, she's like, Allie added me. And I was like, that's weird. She didn't add me. <laughs> I didn't see you. I get that, though. It's it's difficult when a door has to close, but it's like you ask for it to close. Yeah. But then the actual closing is just never super pleasant. It's it's like when you I say, know. like, universe, remove people from my life who aren't benefiting me. And then everyone gets removed. You're like, wait. <laughs> I know. It's like you know it's for the best, but it's okay to just allow yourself to sit in it. Also, another high this week, I think for both of us, we got to catch up with our friend Anna Grace. We got to do a really fun interview with her this week for the pod. Um, so that'll be coming through soon. I actually think a high was getting to catch up with a lot of really good friends this week. You know, everyone's like running in different directions and people have moved. And um, so it's always good to see people. Yeah. I loved catching up with Anna Grace. We actually cranked out three episodes this week. Yeah. So I was super proud of us. We did three episodes in one day. I felt like I was just like the podcast queen of the world. And it was like three very different topics, which is really funny. It was Jen's episode and then two other amazing episodes. One is with Anna Grace and I'm really excited for those to air. So yeah, we did a good job with that this week. I know. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and get into this episode. I know we talk about a lot and it's a lengthy one, but it's all good. So stick around until the end. I'm sure you will take something away from it. I know I did. Yeah, I feel like I learned so much from Jen. And just a little bit of background before we dive in. Jen Hurst is a sober coach. She has been sober since 2013. She's the founder of Lighthouse Sobriety, and she coaches women all over the world to help them get and stay sober. She has she has a bunch of online resources that she offers through her Instagram, Facebook. She has one-on-one coaching, group coaching, And she's just really inspiring and someone who really helped our mom with her sobriety journey when she was starting out. And so it was such an honor to have someone who's deeply affected our family chat with us today. And yeah, I know you guys are going to learn a lot from this. So without further ado, let's welcome Jen Hurst to Go Call Your Sister. mom has been following you and she um, introduced us to you. She's been in sobriety. She's about to hit her one year. Oh my gosh. What's her name? Christy. Christy. Oh, that's so amazing. Yeah. So wonderful. Oh my God. I'm so proud of her. She's a huge fan and it helped us a lot because, you know, being in a family member of, we actually have two people in recovery. My brother is a year and four months now and my mom's about to hit a year, but just following along with you on Instagram and seeing your resources, even though Allie and I are obviously not in recovery, but it helps us be a better understanding family member. So we're big fans of you as well. Oh, I appreciate, well, I mean, number one, thank you so much for supporting her. And I know it, it can be so hard to see someone you love, especially your mother going through that. I mean, I'm not sure the extent of her drinking and what whatnot, but um, I just re- really, from from the other side, thank you for loving her and supporting her and your brother through that because it's we never want to hurt anybody else. I never wanted to hurt my husband. I never wanted to hurt my mom or my parents or friends or any of that. Um, I wanted to just hurt myself and. It just affects everybody. So if if we can learn, it's so hard because it, with alcohol, it has so many negative consequences. <laughs> um, but to, 
try our best to love and support someone through that and try to separate them from Mm -hmm. the drinking that it's not, that's not really them. That's just how they're choosing to cope. And instead of shaming someone and, and telling them what a piece of crap they are, as a lot as some people do, it's uh, if we can just find compassion there, it, it really helps um, the process. Absolutely. So thank you. Yeah. That's so exciting. I know. I'm so excited. That's awesome. She was just so excited that we were talking to you and just Mm -hmm. like, you know, had a couple of questions that she wanted us to ask you. Um, Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So let's jump in. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and how, what your path was to becoming a sober coach? Yeah. So it was a kind of a twisted, turny path. I'll go into my story a little bit, but. I always justified my drinking because I didn't look like your typical alcoholic. I I didn't start drinking problematically from the beginning. I had my first drink at 15, did quote unquote normal drinking throughout college. But there was a turning point in college. And before I actually get into that, uh, I was raised in a perfectionist family. I, I always felt like there was something wrong with me that I earned that love through what I could achieve. So that instilled in me this, this need to do more, to be more, to take on more, and that whatever I did, it was never enough that I always had to, to produce and to, to earn that from, from my family. So it wasn't until I was 21 and my, my second boyfriend wanted to go on a break as I'm sure who anybody who's gone through a breakup, they're not fun. And I remembered how my first breakup felt and this overwhelming pain and heartbreak. And I didn't want to feel like that again. And I say this because that was the turning point of me choosing to use alcohol to numb out, not just to drink with friends, but actually turning to it to take my pain away, Mm -hmm. take away this feeling to escape Mm that I think a lot of people can relate to. And so I was living with some guys at the time and they did Adderall. And so they said, hey, if you take this, you're going to feel like God. And I said, I don't do drugs, even though alcohol is a drug, little did I know. And I said, you know what? Screw it. What the hell? And I did that. I felt amazing as, as Adderall can have you feel temporarily. And, but that instilled and planted a seed in my mind that, oh, well, I can take away any hard feeling by drinking. Mm-hmm. And I, I never have to feel pain again. I can just not feel. And either I could do it with Adderall or I could do it with drinking. And so it didn't escalate quickly. But the more pain that I felt, the more anxiety that I felt from drinking, because mm-hmm. drinking alcohol produces anxiety, the more I turned to it as my friend, as like my coping mechanism, as my self-medication, anytime life got hard. So going back to this notion of perfectionism, the year leading up to my wedding was this really hard point in my life where I was working full-time. I did freelance full-time. I was planning my wedding all by myself, not asking for help because I didn't want anybody's help because I had to prove to people and myself that I could do it all and I can manage it all and still put on a brave face. And so I turned to alcohol more to help me sleep, to relax, to have fun when I was drinking and working at night. And my husband or boyfriend at the time, fiance, would go out and have fun and I'd 
be there working because I had to get this stuff done. So it ingrained more and more where I started moderating. I started setting goals for myself. Okay, if you can go three days without alcohol, you're not an alcoholic. Because my God, having that label attached to me, that could ruin my image. And I didn't want to be associated with that. So I, I was doing this by myself. And it escalated and escalated. So that's why I sure my before and after pictures, my before picture was my wedding day, which is really sad to say, because I was smiling. I was a size two. I, I looked great. I acted the part, but I was not there. I drank in the morning. It started to even start to drinking to, to make the shakes go away, to make the anxiety go away, uh, just to get through the day. And from that point forward, I, I couldn't hide it anymore. I hid my drinking for many years. Not even my husband knew what was going on because I masked it. I would drink alone. Uh, I would drink um, just to cope with anything. And so right after the wedding, mm-hmm. I couldn't hide it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I started drinking around the clock. He found this out a couple days later and so began this year and a half journey of really actively trying to get sober, going into treatment, admitting I needed help, going into my first AA meeting drunk. Uh, And I say this stuff because this is how bad it got uh, and how tenacious I am that I could do what I set my mind out to, but I couldn't do this. And it Mm -hmm. ate me alive. And I beat myself up. And the more I beat myself up, the more I drank. And I would just, I didn't know how to deal with this. And and I felt odd going into an AA meeting. But then I started with outpatient. Then I went into inpatient. And it'd be these periods of sobriety where I'd be sober for a few days, then relapse. Do this for a few days, then relapse. And uh, it got to a point where I got my second DWI. I started switching to mouthwash. Um, to reduce the shame I felt of going into a liquor store because I could just go into Target, buy a bottle of mouthwash, drink that, and get the same feeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it turned into my drinking story was fun in the beginning. It turned into pain and heartbreak, which turned into anxiety, which turned into overwhelm, which turned into I just needed to drink to feel normal. Mm-hmm. And I needed to drink to make the withdrawals go away because uh, I was shaking so bad. And uh, it, I started losing things. And I always justified my drinking for many years because I'm like, well, I still have my job and I still have my car. I hadn't gotten a DWI. And then I got those things. And then I started losing things the more I continued to drink. And uh, it got to a point on April 23rd, 2013, where I was living with my parents and my husband had set a boundary. If you drink, you have to leave. And it was this constant, I was mixing Adderall with alcohol and I literally started to feel myself dying. And I know I'm going into my story a lot, but it it's in the process of me becoming a sober coach. And uh, it was at that moment where I would make attempts and, 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 and saying, I, this is this is it. This is my day. I'm never doing this again. And now I drink. And I had been to three inpatients by this point at Hazelden. And I still go back to it. And I always say, when you get sober, you have to have two things. You have to really want it. 
Like you have to really want it. Not your family, not your husband, not your friends, not your coworkers. Like you truly have to really want it and you have to be ready. So I really wanted to get sober, but at that moment, the year and a half, I wasn't ready yet. I had to still do some field research to really prove to myself, okay, Jen, you can you cannot do this. You cannot manage an addictive drug. And I, I, I fought that for many years until I just surrendered. And I was, my parents brought me to detox. They, I passed out at my dad's office and it was there where I woke, where I blew a 0.34 and I just woke up and I said, not the, it was 0.34 is high, but it was the fact that I'd been doing that for well over two years that of how many times I kind of cheated death and got and still lived to see another day. And that was just one drinking incident. So how far did I take it in those past two to three years? And so it was at that moment in detox where I said, oh, I'm just done. I, I surrender. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to save my marriage. I didn't have a job. I lost my job. I lost my car because it was my second DWI. So I had no car and I had literally nothing from someone who grew up in a great family. My parents rarely drank. I got great grades. And now I was literally homeless. And and until those things happened to me, and I'm like, I never thought this could be my life. And so I had a lot of stuff to clean up. I had court dates. I had to do a day in jail. I had to pay my lawyer. Um, I rode my bike to treatment. I didn't have a car. I had to do AA meetings, got a parole officer, um, had a breathalyzer in my car for two years with a newborn. Um, and I went into my last inpatient stay, then my outpatient stay, then AA meetings, got them signed, all of this stuff. But I knew as long as I stayed sober, everything was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Everything was going to be okay. And I knew that because everything started to get better mm -hmm. the, as long as I didn't drink. And it was the, the, and I say this to people asking, what did it take for you? And I said, it took all of those times and all of those attempts to try to control this and then failing and getting to a point where I physically felt, I don't know if I have enough any more time left in me. I don't know if I have another recovery in me. Um, but I had to take it that far. And I hope people don't have to. And that's what I hope to instill now is that you don't have to hit a rock bottom to question your relationship with alcohol, to ask, really ask, is this serving me? What is this adding to my life? Or is it taking away? What am I using it for? So I kept that forefront. And I just, as long as I stopped fighting it, and playing the mental gymnastics of, am, am I going to drink? Do I want to drink? Um, maybe I'm going to try not to drink. I just didn't want to anymore. It had mm -hmm. taken so much of my life. It had taken so much from my life that I just, I was just done. And it was one decision. I say, you are one decision away from a completely different life. And it's a switch. It wasn't a, if I'm going to, I'm going to try to stay sober. I'm just not drinking anymore. And I do not even want it. And so how that got into sober coaching, I lived in the sober closet for about four years. Uh, and as long as I say sober, I kept feeling and getting these amazing, really miracles that started happening. Within a few months, I was pregnant. Uh, within a few months, I got a job back in my field. Within six months, I was promoted at this job. And so all of these good things started coming into my life. 
And really all I was doing was not drinking. I was going to meetings. I was going through the motions. I did not share about my sobriety. I was taught through AA, not bashing AA. I love AA, but I didn't agree with the anonymity. And so I just thought I shouldn't be sharing this. I shouldn't talk to anybody outside of the AA rooms. And it's not something that people want to hear until I uh, came across this woman's post about Beachbody. And I won't go too much into it, but I started as a Beachbody coach for some odd reason. Her post just really inspired me. And as I started as a Beachbody coach, one of your jobs is to share your journey. And I didn't share much on social. I would hide people like work acquaintances when I would post about my one year. I would hide some people from seeing it because my God, if they knew that about me, what would that mean? Like, what would they think about me if they knew I was an alcoholic? Like, wow. And so I just said, if I'm going to be authentic, if I want people to trust me, this is a huge part of my life. I got to just lay it all out there. And I told that to my husband, I think I need to share this. He said, go for it. So I did it. I wrote it in like three minutes. I posted it. I went to an AA meeting and I came back and I felt so, got so much love and encouragement on that post. And it felt like a huge weight had been lifted. Like I was finally free to be able to be myself and not have to hide this thing. That was such a great thing for my life. But I felt like no one wanted to hear it. I felt like I needed to keep that hidden, that it's not something to be celebrated. And my God has, has my view shifted now. Yeah. And the more I shared, I would share little bits and pieces about my sobriety journey. Those were the posts that people related to the most. Yeah. So it turned into, I'm a, I was, as of Friday, a full-time graphic designer and brand manager. So I was doing that which I thought I was going to be a beach body coach. As I started to share my journey, I realized I don't think I'm supposed to help women lose weight and get in shape. I think I'm supposed to help women get sober. Mm-hmm. And I do that through my exercise, through my nutrition, through my sleep, through my, my stress management, all of these different things. Cause that's the messages that I received. And I just started coaching women through my messages. And then I came to this realization. I, this is, I love doing this. It is such has such great meaning and fulfillment and purpose for me. And it changes. It literally changes lives, just like for you. Guys. Mm-hmm. And um, there's no better thing than changing someone's life and seeing the spark that comes back on. And so I started with private coaching. Uh, and then I went into group coaching, which I really, really love because we cannot do this alone. And then as of Monday, two days ago, and now I'm a full-time sober coach. So it's crazy how life would turn out where 15, 20 years ago, my goal is to be the art director of a magazine in New York to now, then it switched into maybe you want to be a beach body coach. And then that turned into this thing that I had no idea that I kept quiet for so many years that I was so resistant to talking and sharing about that now is the one thing that I love to talk about because I know that it's helping to change people's lives for the better. It's helping to save people's lives. Not that saying that I'm saving people's lives, but I can help guide them and show them the way and show share that with love and compassion because I've been there. And Absolutely. It, it's a dangerous 
place. So yeah, that's how I really got it. I know that's a long-winded no, answer. No, but- that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Seriously. We love Absolutely. hearing it. Every story is so unique. So thank you so much for that. Two follow-up questions I want to ask to that. The first is, why do you think there's so much shame for women around sharing their story? And then two, just so I don't forget, but how do you deal, like you talked about numbing out with alcohol. How do you deal with all these emotions as they start to come up being sober? Yeah. So the shame, I and shame thrives in isolation. So I especially, and as I was raised as a young girl, we didn't disclose how we felt. And we always perceived this image like everything was fantastic on the outside when inside it was all different. <laughs> there were so many things going on. And I think um, comparison really of this, this concern over what will people think. And I think that thrives out of the stigma of addiction of, oh, you can't handle your drinking. That must mean you're broken or there's something wrong with you. Or I like to flip the script of there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Once you realize and do the research of what alcohol is and how it can affect your brain, how it can affect your immune system and all of this, you can give yourself a little compassion and how it really started starts at a young age, the conditioning, the social conditioning that alcohol is okay, alcohol is fun, Uh, you do it, the adults do it, it can be classy or sophisticated um, at baseball games and all of that, that it starts at a really young age. And Mm -hmm. then drinking to cope, um, and when someone, or maybe you're the only one in your friend group who can't do that, you think there's something wrong with you, rather than actually looking at, maybe it's the substance that it's an addictive drug that I was using to self-medicate or to when life got hard. And why do I know that? Well, if I look back at the, at, uh, you know, where did I learn this concept that alcohol can help me relax? You know, maybe it's the, how they promote it, obviously, and movies and songs. And I mean, literally, once you kind of step away and really take in and become aware of how many touches you notice in the songs that you hear, in the things that you see, and whatever, it's really all around you. And when you feel like you're the only one, that can produce produce shame. And the only way to help lessen that shame is to start talking about it, is to start normalizing this and realizing that you're not alone. And that's why... So often you see moms and women hiding their drinking in these little tumblers. Now it's not a paper bag on the under a bridge. It's women hiding their concealing their drinking water bottles in these sparkly cups, and not really disclosing what's going on out of fear that we won't be liked, out of fear that uh, you know we won't have any friends or we won't be fun. Uh, so like I said, it's just about trying to normalize it and trying to just become aware of it yeah. and educate ourselves. Definitely. And then what was the second question? How do you deal with all of the hard emotions that come to the surface when you are sober and you're not using alcohol to cope with them? Yeah. And that's, that's a hard one. It's my triggers are, are overwhelm and stress. So how do I deal with that? And my one thing that I've really gotten into is going on walks. I feel 
emotions, you have to move emotions through the body. So when I feel really stressed, it's about asking for help. How can I ask for help? It's about moving my body, moving the emotion through my body, getting outside. Um, I like drinking like some calming tea uh, and really understanding what am I feeling? No feeling is final, but what can help me feel better after? Is that maybe journaling about what I'm feeling? But usually for me, if it's in an instant, I have essential oils. I My number one key is to go outside and move. Really honestly focusing on your breath. So really t- taking in a like a really big, deep inhale breath and box breathing. Because when I get stressed, I noticed it in my chest. I take these really... <sighs> And I'm not breathing properly. So, so often the harder the problem, the easier the solution. And no feeling is bad. They're just feelings and feelings have to move throughout your body. We don't need to mask them. We don't need to numb them away. We can find ways to sit with it, knowing that it's not going to last forever. But what are some ways that it can help me feel better in the short term? And my number one go-to, as you guys probably see on Instagram, is getting outside and going for a walk. Mm-hmm. And that's that's uh, a one hot of the, girl walk. My go, go on the hot girl walks. The hot girl walks. Have you yes. heard of them? Yeah. No. Oh my no, god! I haven't. What is that? It's a big. I, thing. I'm not. A- it's a big thing on TikTok. It's like you put on your AirPods, your favorite little workout outfits. You know, you like put your hair back and you go on a hot girl walk and you just like walk the whole time feeling confident. And it's an, it's a new thing that's all over, you know, TikTok these days. And so we're big hot girl oh, walkers. Oh, man. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take that up. I'm oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I don't know if I'm a hot girl walk because I have my fanny pack on and no, um, any, my hat. Any way like you do that. it, it can be qualified as a hot girl walk. But I want to go back on the um, shame aspect too, because something that I felt like was really freeing for our family was, you know, having two family members in recovery back to back. And, you know, it was really, a lot of people didn't know what was going on and we weren't really open about our story because we had two people that were kind of healing consistently. And I just remember the day that we finally posted about it and we shared, I think it was about my brother first. Um, and my mom was so good in treatment and we finally started talking about it. And then actually we had my mom on a podcast episode in March and it was our highest listened episode by far. And a lot of it was just like that freeing feeling of actually talking about it and not masking it anymore. And just the overwhelm of people coming and saying how much it impacted them because, you know, they had recovery in their family, but it was really hidden because they felt so shameful about it and all these things. So I really commend you for sharing about it because something that we noticed with our mom especially was just the biggest shift of when she started talking about her journey, you know, how she was able to inspire others and that really helped with her, you know, recovery journey as well. So I just love that. I I love that. And I so agree. My, my, one of the things I, I, I encourage my clients and anyone is to start owning it. It's to start owning this choice. And why should we hide making a positive choice for our lives? Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's, and I understand that it took me four years, four years to, to start talk openly about it. And the, I was so nervous, but the more I talked about it, and I'm sure for your mother, the more she talks about it, that can help lessen the shame. 
because it, it's like therapy. And every post I do, every live that I do or podcast, it helps to normalize this and helps to shine light on this so it doesn't have power over me anymore. That I can find strength in my struggle because I got through that. It's, it is one of the, it was the hardest thing I've ever been through. So any hard thing that I face from hereafter, having a baby, whatever, you know, talking live or any hard thing, pandemic, I know I I can handle it because I've gotten through this, the hardest thing that I've ever been through. And so, and it's not a moral failing. And the only way for us to break this stigma and to chip away at it is by just talking about it. And it's so freeing for the person. It normalizes it. And like I said, just own it because you have no idea who needs to hear that. Everybody has been touched by this in some way, shape, or form, whether that's a friend, it's a family member, an acquaintance, yourself. And it lets people know that, hey, it's okay to to talk about it. And maybe if they don't have a problem, it's a way to just have them get curious of mm-hmm. what am I, why am I drinking? Is this helping me with my life? What am I using it for? And to just start asking questions. Because mm-hmm. I promise you, if you're the first one, if they're one to go first, there's a high chance there's someone else waiting for you to do and make that move. Mm-hmm. I've had so many clients who have owned up to it this past couple months and right away someone else is questioning or wanting to cut back as well. And that instantly connects them. So yeah, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I was just telling Bird before you got on, I'm going to Italy to visit her next week. And when I get back, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to go alcohol free for a month just because I just want to see how I feel. You know, I've seen my mom and how amazing she looks and feels and, you know, think it would be good to just like take a month and evaluate and see how it goes. But kind of going off of that, like, what are some benefits of being sober? Yeah. And there, like you said, I always like to have people take a before picture um, of really their first day. I wish I would have had a first day. I mean, there's so many benefits. If they could compile sobriety, the benefits of sobriety in a pill, it would, people would pay millions for it. Yeah. For the brighter complexion, the glow, the the less inflammation, all of that, the beauty benefits. But also, I think number one is less anxiety. And I, I am mm-hmm. so excited for you. I think that's such an amazing thing that you're giving yourself the opportunity to just test it out. There's Sober October coming mm-hmm. up, Sober September, Dry January. Every single month has an alcohol-free connotation to it. So why not just take a break and see how you feel and mm-hmm. notice the benefits and also notice the pros and cons. Like what do you, what feelings is it bringing up? And I think you deserve to give yourself that break to really um, allow your body and your brain enough time to feel what it's like to not have alcohol in it. So yeah. less anxiety is number one. If anyone struggles with anxiety, the number one thing to cut back on or cut out is alcohol because alcohol produces anxiety. Little did we know that it's marketed as a solution to life's problems. When life gets hard, if you want to relax, if you want to unwind, take the edge off, you pour a glass of wine at night. But little do we know it's going to cause you to have disrupted sleep. It's going to produce more anxiety once that wears off. And so I think again, education and awareness is key so people can make an informed decision before they choose to pick up. Um, But better sleep. You're going to get 
some people experience insomnia in the beginnings of sobriety, but some people experience tremendous fatigue, but you're going to eventually balance out and get such amazing sleep because you're going to be getting that great REM cycles that alcohol prohibits us from getting. So you're going to feel wake up feeling energized and ready to start the day. You're gonna, it saved my marriage. Um, I had better relationships. I got two beautiful kids. Um, I you, you save a ton of money. Usually. Oh, yeah. You get you get more time. Yeah. More time. If you want more time, I did a post a, a couple years ago. If you want more time, quit drinking. If you want better skin, quit drinking. If you want to lose weight, quit drinking. If you want to do all these swings, like take a break from drinking and see what you notice in it. Um, improvements. Boosted self-confidence. I feel so much like so much better, especially the more that I talk about it. And I can remember everything I did. I think I don't have to have any shame or regret, maybe a little regret over some choices, but I was conscious for that. I know exactly what I did. I don't have to wake up asking myself, checking my phone. Who did I text? Did I say anything stupid? I know exactly what I said. And there's such relief in that. And now I do things I truly enjoy and, and finding, accepting who I really am and knowing and doing things that are more true as I am on this journey to find and stay true to who I really am, if that makes sense, of not choosing to do things I don't really enjoy or that I feel that I need alcohol to have fun, of choosing things that really light me up. So those are just some of the benefits that I've noticed. And like I said, it I got two beautiful kids. I saved my marriage and all of this, all of these things that keep on giving. Absolutely. Well, Allie kind of touched on this earlier, but we, I think that sober curious has become a really popular word, especially among people our age. And I think a lot of people are still unsure of what that exactly is. So what does it mean to be sober curious? And can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, I think really it means what it says. It means that you're getting curious about why you drink, about maybe you have an interest in trying and taking a break. It's really having the option to choose or to question or to change your drinking habits for a variety of reasons of, okay, well, I want to see what I'm going to take a month off before I go to Italy and see, just see what happens. I want to see what benefits I notice with a break. It's just inviting this conversation into your life of, okay, maybe I'm going to look into this. What am I using alcohol for? Is this serving me? Would my life be better if I didn't drink? Or am I willing to take a break for 30 days to see how I really feel without it? And if you want to get more into this, you can, there's actually the book called Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington. Mm -hmm. She has the book Sober Curious and also the book Sober Curious Reset that takes you through the days that you can check out as well. But it's just, you're not sober. You're not drinking. You're just curious about it. I'm going to do some research. I feel like there's, you know, some shame around even that word because people think, oh, well, if I need to be sober curious, then I must have like an issue. And, you know, I now I'm feeling the shame because I feel like I need to do this. But really, I mean, it's just like you would take 
any kind of break. I mean, you might be doing it for other reasons. I do think that like there is so much like, oh, like you don't have to be an alcoholic to take a break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another great account is Recovery is a New Black. She, I remember a post she did. It's called Sobriety Isn't Just for Alcoholics. And it's such a great time because this wasn't even considered 10 years ago. Yeah. And so the more and more that we come out, the more and more people that are coming out and starting the sober movement, the more normalized it feels that it's more of a wellness conversation now. Yeah. I mean, Andrew Huberman just came out with this really popular podcast last week of talking about alcohol and science, the science behind alcohol, how it affects your brain, how it affects your immune system and and really starting that conversation from someone with a huge following as I think more and more are are really looking into this and reexamining what alcohol is to our society, how it's affecting us, Mm -hmm. and how it's holding us back uh, from doing the things that we really love. So yeah, it could be met with, you know, what are people going to think? Are they going to think I'm an alcoholic? But I think, again, the, the more that we can just have an honest conversation of, I'm just doing it, I'm taking a break, I'm going to do sober September, I'm going to do sober October, and I want to see how I feel. I don't need to say I have a problem with it. But also, I deserve to know what it feels like to not yeah, have that in my system. Exactly. And I just think the more that we normalize it and just, it's like, you know, I'm going to take up yoga for a month. The more we normalize it, the easier it is for people. And I just think that's really amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's so crazy. It's the only, I've, you guys have probably heard it too, but it's the only drug you have to justify not taking. Exactly. Well, why aren't you taking heroin? Yeah. Why, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't it's you doing like, meth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know because, you know, it's a, those are drugs, but also alcohol is a drug too. So why why is it why is it something on the person if they're choosing not to put this into their body? It's just like I said, it's this conditioning that we've had and the normalization of it that when someone breaks away and does something different. It's, it's something new, but the only way that that gets easier is for more people to take a break and to have the less judgment around someone who chooses not to partake in that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, going off of it being more popular these days and, you know, there's so many alcohol-free brands and, you know, you're seeing um, mocktails pop up on more menus. And what are some ways for people like myself who are doing, you know, a sober month and you're, we're going into fall and the holidays, like how do you deal with social situations not drinking? Yeah. Um, which is so amazing. And number one, and that's one of the one things is to stock up on mocktails. There's so many great mocktails coming up and it's such a growing industry, which is mm-hmm. so cool to see. My favorite is Groovy, the dry seco. Yeah, it's an NA wine. Oh yeah. my God. It is so, the, you can the get. The rosé is my favorite. Yeah. I love the rosé. Yeah. Bubbly rosé, they have dry secco, they have sangria, and they have dry red. And I think they're coming probably out with a ton more because they're just booming. They also have NA beer. I'm not an NA beer fan. I wouldn't drink that. So I'm like, why would I drink it in sobriety if I don't like the taste? Yeah. So it's just a great way for you to feel like you're accepted, that it's 0% alcohol. It tastes amazing. And you can still fit in. You can still enjoy something. You still have something special. I think my shipment arrives today. I 
buy it in bulk because I love it. It's a way for me to feel um, ex- like I'm treating myself in some way. Yeah. But if you're if for social situations, if you're considering taking a break, I really feel like preparation is key. So really, if you're going to an event, really visualize the event. If you're feeling nervous about going, you know, imagine walking through the event and going alcohol free. What are you going to say to people? How are you going to carry yourself? Imagine coming home and having something, some treat or something fun and exciting to come home to. And then imagine yourself waking up and feeling so good. Like you're not fighting the sleep. You're not groggy. You're energized and awake and full of relief that you didn't give in and have that drink. And just know it's going to feel awkward. Anything new will feel different and awkward maybe in the beginning. But the only way to get, for it to get easier and better is to actually go through that process to feel the feelings and to get through it. So visualize the event all the way through. I always say work out in the morning. So get those natural endorphins going. Pack a cooler. So always bring your own mocktails. Mm-hmm. Always. Everywhere I go, whether it's a fair, whether it's a party or whatever, I bring a cooler stocked full of what I want to drink because you cannot depend on the hostess to supply non-alcoholic options for you unless you want I don't even think they have soda when I go to places. It's either water or lemonade for the kids mm-hmm. or beer. So I bring my own. So plan ahead. Know what you're going to say to people. So what's going to be your line? Oh, you know what? I'm taking 30 days off. I'm doing sober September is what you could say. Or I'm doing sober October. Well, why are you doing that? Well, I really want to see how I feel without alcohol. Or or if you have given up alcohol completely, why are you not drinking? Well, I don't like the way alcohol makes me feel. Oh, and that's really all you have to say. You can keep it simple. And I really say uh, body language, how you say it, matters. So stand tall, stand confident, smile. And the more that you're confident in this decision, the more at ease people will feel with that decision. And just remember, other people's opinions of your decision are none of your business. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Just allow yourself to take that break. I always go into things with a mantra like, I got this. I can do this. And when you go into those situations, always make sure you have a drink in your hand. So make sure you're always holding on to something. It's going to give your hands something to do. It's going to lessen the chance of someone asking you if you'd like a beer, if you'd like a a seltzer or something. Those seltzers did not exist when I was about 10 years ago. So that's White Claws and all of that are so new to me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh. So make sure you always have something in your hands, something to hold on to. It'll make you feel safe. It'll make you feel comfortable. And like we said in the beginning, own your sobriety. Own it. Be the one to go first. And you have no idea who might need you to speak up. There's no greater power than owning who and what you are. And, you know, be prepared for questions. People are just curious. They're, they're going to ask why, but it's nothing on them. It's not that they're bashing you. They're just curious, just as you are of being sober curious. They're curious as, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Oh, Maybe I'd like I'd like to do that too, or I've been yeah. wanting to have an accountability partner. And you can always set a boundary before you go. So don't be afraid to leave early. If it's uncomfortable, give yourself permission to leave early. And I always say, enjoy the food and dessert. Um, it, it's everything tastes different 
when alcohol is not numbing the senses, things are going to taste different. And so sometimes I'll go for like a second or third helping of dessert just because I love dessert and treating myself. So, and make sure you want to go to the event too. If it's an event you want to go to. Yeah. So I know that's a lot of things, but. um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what our mom does. We're big fans of Joyous. That's probably my favorite non-alcoholic brand. I love Groovy as well, but. I we went to a. I have not even heard of that. <gasps> Joyous. I'm writing it down. Oh my gosh, it is so good. Yeah, it's so good. Joyous. And you have just opened my blown my mind. Yeah, okay. it's amazing. It's our favorite brand. The founder is amazing. My mom loves her so much. She actually emailed her and got like her full story. And now they're like, you know, friends and everything. But we went to a wedding in June, and it was actually my brother's one year, like the day of the wedding, and my mom strolled into the to the wedding with a cooler full of her joyous and the non-alcoholic beer for my brother and kind of told the bartenders like, hey, this is what's up. When obviously Allie and I are not sober, but we don't drink with my family and told the bartender, this is what's up. We don't drink. Every time we went to the bar, they filled up our joyous, gave my brother a non-alcoholic beer. And, you know, that's just something that I think in the beginning of sobriety, my mom or my brother, even us, we would have felt a little bit uncomfortable doing. And it was just so well received. You know, it, they had no questions. They didn't look at us weird. No one at the wedding thought we were weird. Like it was just very normal. But I think in your heads, you make it into such a big deal. And it was yes. Fun. Yes. It's like 90, I think it's like 80 to 90% of the stuff we worry about never even happens. Exactly. And we think everyone's going to question us and wonder what we're drinking and have a problem with it. But in reality, as long as you're honest, people are so much more accepting than you think mm-hmm. and loving. Yeah. As long as you're honest in why what you're doing, why you're doing it. And I love, can I just say thank you for doing that for your mother and brother of not drinking around them? So you were drinking the NA drinks as well? Yeah. I can't tell you how supportive and that action coming from someone on the other side makes you feel. You don't have to say anything just by your actions of even doing that for someone is huge. I think I'm like going to cry. Like that's just, um, or if someone would have a non-alcoholic option for someone, not that I'm relying on that, but there's yeah. no options. No, my usually. mom my mom went to a funeral the other day for one of her good friends and at the reception her my mom's like best friend had the joyous chilled for her at the you know reception of the funeral and it's just you know opening up the doors of making people feel comfortable. I mean, if someone yeah. if someone's dairy free, you would probably provide dairy free food. So in in our eyes being supportive is it's the same, you know, provide that option. We're going to the holidays. Yeah. People should have it. It's becoming such a big thing these days. And yeah, you know, it is as more and more celebrities are doing that too. But you know, if there's going to be gluten-free options on the menu, there should be alcohol-free options as well. I agree. Oh, I'm going to do a post about that. Or if there's going to be vegan things, have there be mocktails. So often there's just not the option. So for you, someone to go out of their way to provide that, means the world to us because I don't usually have that. I know my mom at Christmas time, she would buy the Welch's sparkling juice and she would have that out. Um, But for someone to have that, it's just, oh, that just is love and support and and 
a small gesture means so much for that other person. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of, what are some who are some celebrities that are sober that might be surprising to people? Yeah, it it's the more and more I hear about celebrities, uh, even recently, that are giving it up. You know, Chrissy Teigen, she gave it up, uh, I believe, a year ago. She just celebrated a year in the pandemic. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Oh, my gosh. Uh, who sings about alcohol or raps. Yeah. He's sober. I mean, along with 50 Cent and all of that. Pharrell Williams. Uh, J-Lo. So if you talk about a beauty I pill. I believe it. Yeah, I mean, I she's just, well. she, she gets better with age. I'm like, my God, you were am- amazing. And Blake Lively, Blake Lively came out with her own non-alcoholic. We love Blake yes. She's amazing. And, you know, Zac Efron, Brad Pitt, um, Bradley Cooper, Katy Perry came out with her own non-alcoholic wines. Um, Ava Mendez. So more and more celebrities are also catching on. And like I said, there's going to be more and more options for people. It's going to be, I think, a $1.26 trillion industry in 2027, they're predicting. Wow. So this is a trend. Absolutely. And it's, it's a wonderful trend to, to try out. And I'm not saying get on board, but I think everybody is entitled to know and become informed about the dangers, the risks, and what really, how it affects you mentally and physically. Um, But the choice is ultimately yours. That's why I'm glad we're talking about it because I do think that the alcohol industry is so glamorized. Like you said, growing up, you see adults drinking and it's so like fancy and fun. But then now we're opening up the door to showing, you know, how glamorous life is when you're not drinking because you can wake up, you can work out, you can look like J-Lo. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you deserve both sides. We've been so often shown one side and now even recently I started to, to wear my sobriety and feel comfortable wearing that because it's a, it's a big decision to, to come out of the sober closet, but it's also a big decision to start wearing it and start talking about it. But I also look at well, and especially big alcohol, they they target especially women uh, within the past 20 years, especially mothers who are trying to manage all the things. And they prey on us because really we're stressed. We're worried about what others think. We're worried about having the perfect home, dressing and looking the part of getting the new outfit of all of this. And it can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So when you see shirts that glamorize it and you see mugs and you see uh, bags and and artwork that normalizes it. You, it justifies the drinking. It justifies it. Well, see, it's fun. It's light until we start depending on it. And still, you start seeing Molly Sims promote it of how mm-hmm. she needs wine to parent. And really, it justifies problematic drinking without disclosing really how harmful and addictive alcohol Definitely. is and how dangerous it can become and how many women are hiding this. Um, and not feeling comfortable sharing this, that they're struggling. Absolutely. So now I look at it from my point of view as someone who's kind of like taking a back seat. And now I'm becoming so aware of where it's where it's located and what my kids are taking in now. So I have a six and eight year old and what they're seeing and the conditioning that's even happening at their age and 
my son, we went to a baseball game. I saw your post on this the other day and I was like, oh my gosh. <sighs> and I'm just looking at him, looking at all of the alcohol advertisements that go on people a woman chugging a beer on camera mom what is she doing and starting to have these conversations now of him watching football because he loves football and having those bud light commercials come on and people are laughing people are having fun it's bright colors and but they don't show the morning after they don't show the non-glamorous parts. So my concern now, not that I can protect him, but I can also show him another way. Mm-hmm. I can also not not disclose of how bad alcohol is and you can never do this. I'm not going to ever prohibit him, but I'm also going to show him both sides. So again, wow. he can make that informed decision. But how it even starts at a, such a young age that we wonder, how did I get here? Well, let's take a step back. Let's take a step back to where did you learn about this? Where did you start to use it and abuse it? And how did that become an addictive habit that started to manifest and where you really needed it to even feel normal? Definitely. Yeah. And especially growing up in the South, we're both from Mississippi, a huge mm-hmm. college town, almost, you know, growing up there, being surrounded by it at all times, going to college there, like it was everywhere. And it's crazy to look back and think like, wow, I was so young and exposed to all of that at such an early age. Yeah, definitely. I remember being in college. And you wanted to fit in. Yeah, in college feeling like, you know, if I didn't go out and drink at the bar with my friends that I was weird or something was wrong with me or people would call me lame or whatever. And, you know, that's just another reason to just normalize and respect people's decisions. I think Mm -hmm. you're lame if you think that you have to have an – like you have to drink to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And it will, and it's, if it's not fun without alcohol, it's probably just not fun. Yeah. yeah and you absolutely. didn't find that thing you actually absolutely. like to do. Well, it was probably just a lame like, party. It, well, yeah. And it's like, for me, ice fishing. So I'm not a big, like, outdoorsman, <laughs> outdoors woman. And so I felt like I needed alcohol to, like, sit there and look at a pole. Right. <laughs> and so, well, okay. Well, maybe I just don't like doing this you know, or, and, and how I know this is by doing things and experimenting in sobriety and feeling like I am high when I do things I truly love. And I'm like, wow, I feel on top of the world and I have not a drip of drugs within my system. That's something to pay attention to. Maybe I should do more of that. Yeah. So that's yeah. something that for everybody to to pay attention to. And and yeah, maybe it's just a not fun party. And um, but I think especially for the younger generation, more and more are choosing not to drink, which is really, really cool. Um, it's already started to shift where they're choosing not to drink alcohol. So I think it's already beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And so for our listeners who have listened to this episode, they've taken away from it, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you if anyone's interested in coaching or just following along with your journey? Yeah. So I like to hang out on Instagram. So I'm at Jen Lee Hurst, or you can go to my website, which is livingzeroproof.com to get on the wait list for my next course. I also do private coaching. Mm -hmm. So you can message me about that or go to my link. But I have a group coming up in October called 75 Sober, which I'm really excited about. Um, It's about implementing kind of based on 75 hard, not as hard as that, which I did last year, but really implementing these six healthy habits to help you feeling your best within a community 
during the holiday season, during that, that October, November, mm-hmm. December month. So not waiting until January to get a start on your journey when the rest of the world is. When we're going to go through some of the most triggering times of the year, let's feel supported and in a better state mentally and physically when we get to those things and we'll do it together. I love that. The holiday season is tough. Like we didn't even realize till having our first holiday season with two sober people, how much it's just back to back to back. Yeah. And family and, and that it's just people all in the same room and, and parties, work parties, you know, cocktail parties, whatever, holiday parties, uh, Thanksgiving, where that can be associated with lots of wine. Uh, so it's just important to have a community and to start these habits. So I know we talked about implementing stress relieving um, ways to help manage your emotions. So I really promote and and tell women it's not about doing things just when life gets hard because then when you do that you're already too late it's you're reacting to life instead of being proactive so let's start these little tiny habits now Mm -hmm. on a consistent basis so instead of having these high ups and and low lows you're better able to kind of manage it because you've you've been doing the work in the off season. So when those times come up, when life does get hard, when something throw, when someone throws you your curveball, you get overworked, or your mom or whatever family member at Christmas time, you're in a better place mentally, mm-hmm. and you can apply these tools so you can handle it that much better. Absolutely. We like to end um, our episode with something we ask each guest. So do you have a mantra or an affirmation that you're currently living by right now? Yes. So I have a few that I I say to myself throughout the day. So one, it sounds so cheesy, you guys, but I say it every single morning, is today's going to be a great day. And I set that intention in the morning. And I, I visualize myself going through my day and what sort of things, how do I want to act? How do, am I with my children? What do I have coming up that day? So visualizing myself going through the day and having a great day. So setting that intention. And there's a lot of research that backs this up of how that simple phrase can help your day of setting that intention first thing. Um, another one I say, so I have a few, is this is meant for me. So whether that's something good, that's something bad, I say this is meant for me for a reason. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to either learn from it. I'm supposed to accept it as a sign that I'm on the right path. The one that I feel like if I don't feel so motivated to do something, like working out or who knows, I'm going to feel so awesome after. I know I'm going to feel awesome after. Sometimes we don't feel awesome before working out but we're going to feel awesome after. I'm going to feel awesome after going outside and going on a walk. And a simple, even though what I did before this podcast, something I say to myself all the time is I got this. I got this. I can do this. And it's so simple, but it helps give me confidence when I need to, when I feel nervous, when I feel scared, when I feel like I don't, I'm not enough. A simple, I got Mm -hmm. this. I can do this. And you can use that before those social situations. If you're nervous, hey, I got this. Yeah. It's not going to kill me. Is this going to kill me? No, I got this. I can do this. So yes. there's other ones I, I use on a daily basis. I love those. Well, you're doing incredible things. And just, you know, from the bottom of my heart and my sister, we're so honored to have you on here because you were a huge part in the beginning of my mom's recovery and helping her feel less alone and 
more supported. And I know you do that for so many people, you know, all over the world. So thank you for what you're doing. It matters. It's inc- incredible. And yeah. we're just so glad we got to talk with you today. It's a huge honor for us. Yes, this is really honestly filled me up today too, to hear that number one about your mother and about you and your brother and you two supporting her. It means everything. So thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for supporting them in the way that you're doing and helping to share this message to everybody else too. Thank yeah, you so I'm much. so excited to share this. Oh, and, me um, too. Yeah, try try Joyous and yeah. let us know what you think. Yeah, please I let am, us know I'm what you think. I'm going to order it right now. I don't know why or how I have not been introduced to this. So you blew my mind. I will share their profile on Instagram and send it to you because it is the most like well-marketed. They have such good social media. They're, it's it's amazing. We actually found it for the first time in this tiny store in Kauai when I was living in Hawaii. And I was like, mom, because our mom always says, you know, you just it's always good to walk in with a fancy bottle, a fancy glass. It doesn't have to be alcohol just to feel special. And the joyous bottle is so cute. And we tried it in Hawaii and we were like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. It was so definitely oh, give it a try. I am definitely going to be sharing this with my clients and on Instagram and all of that, because when I love something, I mean, this stuff helps you stay sober. It helps you, like you, she said, I can still drink something in a fancy glass. It just doesn't have alcohol in it. Yeah. What makes you think that I need alcohol in there? I can still treat myself. I can still do this and I'm still the life of the party. I can still have fun Oh yeah, and I can remember it all. She's always yeah. still the life of the party, hands down. Always. So yeah, get definitely love it. try and Great to know about this going into the holidays too. It's like yeah. a great option. Mm-hmm. For, you know, yes. Planning. Yes, absolutely. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. Yes, thank this you, has just Jen. been a great conversation and I'm so excited about, you know, going into my 30 days of sobriety after this. And um, yeah, I can't wait to, you know, put some of the tips into action that you talked about. I'm excited for you. And before I go, especially for you too, and listeners, I forgot to mention, pick up if you're curious, pick up This Naked Mind. Have you heard of that book? No. Okay. This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. It's the number one book I recommend to all my clients, to anybody curious about alcohol. Um, And it just goes into, it's just a great explanation of what's kind of going on or even the alcohol experiment. She has the alcohol experiment. Her name is Annie Grace. You can take a 30-day challenge for free on her website. She also Mm -hmm. has a book. So she has This Naked Mind and The Alcohol Experiment. And they kind of go hand in hand. She goes day by day in The Alcohol Experiment. But it's just a great resource to get started on. So I would start there as well. But I am so excited for you. Let me know how it goes. And I'm cheering you on throughout the throughout the way. So I know that your mother, it means so much to her that you're doing this as well. Well, I'll check out that book. And yeah, I'll keep you posted on everything. But um, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys.